Welcome to the Marvelous Post Blip Podcast, a podcast on all things Marvel on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Steve. I'm Mischievous Dave. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And today we're talking about episode nine of season one of What If, entitled What If dun, 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 The Watcher <laughs> Broke His Oath. Thank well, God he did. What a shocker yeah. that would be. <laughs> well, I will I am gonna say right now that yeah, I think the theory that was presented, gentlemen, I can't, again, I can't remember which of you threw it out, of him getting closer and closer pretty much panned out. Yep. Not in the way I thought it would, <laughs> but it panned out for sure. Yeah, I think that was one of my observations from early on. This guy's getting more and more screen time. Something's going to happen. Absolutely. Who, who knew he was so cute? Yeah. He'd be so cute. <laughs> Big baby head. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, what was the thing that was said? Something about big baby. I don't know. Everybody was giving him crap. This guy's the most powerful <laughs> being around. And like, they're all crapping on him. Well, I know from my reaction, I was telling Steve off mic that I was getting sour on the show. I'm like, oh, good. Take a break. You're bumming me out. But this one was so awesome. It was so fun. The action was so great. I know we're not rating it. If we did, I'd give it five out of five beer quaffing Thors. <laughs> <laughs> So much fun. Yep. It was a funny it episode. Was, yeah. Yes. It, it wasn't as bad as they have been, like in regards to darkness. So it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this one hurt. But there was questions that I had like during it and then it all played out at the end. It's like, oh, that makes <laughs> Yep. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was definitely good to have Carter back. And of course, they had to gather up everybody from the previous episodes, which of course made a whole lot more sense and tied up the season real nicely as far as I was concerned that, yeah, these really weren't standalone episodes they were all leading up to this so yeah oddly enough we're seeing the same thing in uh lower decks there is there turned out to be a, a series plot line after all yep yeah no uh, they kind of just left howard the duck out there hanging maybe <laughs> yeah. he could have <laughs> yeah. been mixing drinks for everybody in the series background <laughs> so here's a brief uh recap for you the watcher gathers heroes from across the multiverse for one final battle against infinity ultron Infinitron? I don't know. <laughs> Get your best Hollywood couples like name together for the end of this one. Right. I have faith in you. So obviously with the opening credits of what if when it's like, you know, follow me and the question of and then it's like pause, pause. And it just like pauses for a little bit longer than you feel like it should. <laughs> and it's finally what if. So we had that dramatic what if moment with season one finale. Because we have it beginning with adapting Captain America First Avenger, but with Peggy Carter in the leading role. So it really well that we have that at the end. But we have that opening in the credits. And I kind of want that to happen again, like next season. I know I'm kind of like on my own little rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I don't know. I want more, especially the way that ended. But that's a whole nother story, I guess. Right. That's a whole nother what if. Yeah. Season one finale opens on the Lemurian star, the shield vessel from Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, well, that thing was awesome. I didn't know that was the name yes. of it. So, so good find. <laughs> Captain Carter's briefing introduces the hijacker's top mercenary, Georges Batrock, which we happen to see in several other things. But we see that he was played by Georges St. Pierre. Batrock appeared in Captain America Winter Soldier and Disney Plus Falcon in the Winter Soldier TV series. I'm very glad it was the same person because that kind of sucks when they change it. He must have the same uh, agent as 
John Wesley's ship. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got a second career for you, baby. Well, he actually was the one who voiced his own character in What If as well. So that's great because I'm still a little salty. Not everybody did that for What If. But other commitments, I get it. Not necessarily an MCU Easter egg, but an intriguing detail nonetheless. Peggy is given the Lemurian Star mission briefing herself. In Captain America Winter Soldier, Crossbones does the honors while Steve Rogers listens along with the other soldiers. Peggy handles that pre-match talk suggests she's much more active as a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. than Captain America was in the Power MCU. Peggy's briefing dialogue is almost identical to Crossbones, while Black Widow teasing her super soldier about potential love interest happened just like it did with Natasha and Steve in the live action. When Captain Carter debuted in What If, season one premiere, her costume was blue with Great Britain's red, white, and blue Union Jack and blazoned across her torso. During the Furian Star mission, she's wearing a sleeker, more subtle uniform with a smaller silver Union Jack design. This is exactly the same fashion evolution as Chris Evans had between Captain America First Avenger and Captain America Winter Soldier, with his colorful American flag changing to gray. Does that mean he's sad? (laughs) Well, that was pointed out that it was like the closer it got to Civil War, the less it was like out there. So I wonder if it was kind of similar without realizing it, it was going to work out the same way. Peggy mimics Steve's jump from the plane. It's Yeah, that was interesting. Like, why don't you guys ever use parachutes or something? <laughs> they Not know cool. That it's the Marvel landing. Yeah. Black window. Well, she landed Widows. in the yeah. water, though. Yeah. <laughs> They're such posers. Yes. But Peggy mimics the jump, just like Steve did, and Batrock challenges Captain Carter to fight without her shield, much in the same way that he made that gambit with Rogers, and just as unsuccessfully. Although, he does get at least one good shot. Now, granted, it's at the end, but he gets one good shot in. Yeah. When Batrock politely requests Captain Carter do battle with fists instead of solid vibranium frisbee, she happily accepts, replying, I'm a pretty good dancer, too. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of cheesy. And I just want to point out, too, and I know this is neither here nor there, but every time they show Black Widow, she has her hair different like she did in the movies. So Mm -hmm. I kind of like that they were kind of keeping that continuity. I know it's a small detail, but it's like, okay, look, they're showing like she's kind of the same. But anyway, the line (laughs) that Peggy just said about being a good dancer is a callback to Peggy and Steve and the promise to share dance in the MCU, which Cap had to miss due to being trapped under a glacier for several decades. That was very sad. But their fight is cut short by the Watcher coming to recruit her. I love that, too, when he comes and he... And she's like, what's that? <laughs> I know. And That's like, the oldest trick in the book. Look behind me. I'm not going yeah. behind me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this going to be a Stooges episode all of a sudden? But better late than ever, we've returned to episode two's cliffhanger ending. Ego, the living planet, is absorbing Peter Quill at his Dairy Queen workplace. <laughs> oh, that was so sucky. It's like, and then Ego, I swear to God, he was even more douchey in this. Yeah. It's like, ah, it's only a uh, couple of decades or what, millennia or whatever. It's yeah. like, oh my god. But we have the Ravager M-ship fighting back. Kind of, sort of. I mean, they're doing their best. The leading vessel looks suspiciously like the Milano Quill flew in the original MCU timeline. And absorbing his son's power, Ego has 
covered the Dairy Queen establishment in a big lump of the weird glowing blue goo, which comes straight out of James Gunn's Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 2. And Kurt Russell's live-action ego had triggered the master plan, and we had seen that the goo was, in fact, the seeds that he had spread across the galaxy, beginning to sprout. And why are you blue goo? That's what I wanted to know, but I kind of didn't want to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, eh, I'm afraid. But it resulted in the very same Dairy Queen visual, what if uses. So again, nice continuity. In the end, Star-Lord T'Challa saves Peter Quill from the clutches of his father, Ego. And we get to see, again, our Watcher doing stuff that he probably wasn't supposed to. You know, I found it amazing they got Kurt Russell just to do that voice for that one (laughs) particular bit. Does he actually have to come into a studio and record his work, or does he just do it on his iPhone and send it as a file? Yeah, from what I... Yeah, from what I understand is almost all the audio is done at home right now because of, you know, COVID. Wow. I mean, come on. They got Thor to literally just go, ah, in Loki. They had <laughs> and Hemsworth actually do that. So wow. if they, they and, had him just yell and send that in, I think they got the rest under control. Yeah, well, and I think they all, they had all the scripts done before they started recording. And so every actor got to record whatever they, whatever lines they had through all nine episodes at one time. So it, an hour or two at the most, and yeah, I'm done. Yeah. But this has been done for a while because of right. we know with Chadwick Boseman, like he yeah. was the first one. Yep. And he wanted T'Challa everywhere because he knew he was sick. And I still think it's awesome that we got him in it. The realization that this was the last last time we were gonna see him and hear him. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Very bad. That made me sad. In a brand new what if universe, the watcher drops in on the oddest couple around, Tony Stark and Gamora. What? <laughs> he finds them on Nidavellir, the neutron star introduced in Avengers Infinity War when Thor needed a new weapon and constructed Stormbreaker. We also see a brief glimpse of E3, who was played by Peter Dinklage on the big screen. I love that we got to at least see him, if not hear him. Yes. <laughs> the Gamora variant chosen to join Watcher's anti-Ultron squad is adorned very differently to how MCU fans will remember Zol Saldana's character. Indeed, what if Gamora is wearing the golden armor of her adopted father, Thanos, and now wields his double-ended blade also? Say what? This is where I was worried, because when we seen that in, like, the pictures early right. on, I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to be Thanos. like Thanos instead. <laughs> so, exactly. I was really scared. And it gets worse, because the Watcher refers to Gamora as Destroyer of Thanos. Huh? <laughs> Which implies she offed her old man and swiped his gear. And this also explains why What If Episode 9 shows Eitri destroying the Infinity Gauntlet. Now, alongside Gamora is Tony Stark wearing an altered version of his Hulkbuster armor from Avengers Age of Ultron. I think I've said this before, but they they must have the biggest yarn wall yes. in the writer's room to connect all this stuff. Now, many What If fans will be confused at this point, and that's due to a planned Season 1 episode that was mysteriously dropped. 
Reportedly, what if Iron Man landed on Sakaar? This episode likely explains how Stark and Gamora came to be best friends. Interesting. I also have a question then, because if in this timeline, and one of the other ones, by the way, Thanos had gotten the Soul Stone, did he take out, or who, I should say, did he did he leave there for the Soul Stone if Gamora's alive? Because it was like that in another episode, too, when right. Vision got the stones from him. So it's like, ooh, who did he kill? Yeah, and Stark just can't help himself trying to sell Gamora on the idea of wrapping a suit of armor around the galaxy this time not just the world can he stop at that I mean, yeah <laughs> no just please. just kill off his character again please yeah. <laughs> iron man has said this famous mc quote before in what if but the line was first spoken in avengers age of ultron and <laughs> the watcher brutally dismisses iron man with not you stark <laughs> i love that yes. loved it. yeah this time instead of killing stark we get to insulting. <laughs> Before returning his attention to Gamora. And this is surely what if riffing on both Tony's neutron star-sized ego and his role as the center of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Picking up from what if episode 6, Shuri and Pepper Potts lead a rebellion against Killmonger's rule of Wakanda, only to find the Watcher has already whisked Eric away. As a young Shuri bursts into the Wakandan throne room, she's briefly seen carrying a vibranium laser gauntlet. Nice. These quickly became Shuri's trademark weapons after being featured in the likes of Black Panther and Avengers Endgame. And she clearly had the lethal gloves built at a much younger age than most parents would approve yeah. of. <laughs> I was so confused because I'm like, why? Why are you taking him? Yeah. It just seemed so weird. Watcher had a plan. Obviously. Yeah. The plan I, I had no, no Yeah, it's like, okay, you've got no all these honorable people except Killmonger. Hmm. Okay, that must mean you have plan for what he's going to do that's going to help you get your goal accomplished. And as the Watcher transports Hardy Thor from Las Vegas to his multiverse HQ, the Asgardian screams wildly before realizing he's in a pub surrounded by others staring at him. That was hilarious. Yes. (laughs) And he's just beating on those Ultron drones and complaining that he's got a date and he needs to (laughs) do his hair. And Thor Ragnarok had captured Thor as whisked through a dizzying tunnel to meet the Grandmaster. Once again, Helmsworth screams, then opens his eyes to see a crowd of confused onlookers when the ride is over. <laughs> I want to go to that bar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that they're assembling in Strange's Sup- Supreme's interdimensional pub, ah, which is the same pub as Captain Carter took Steve to in episode one. Gotta find that pub. Do I have to go to England for that? Yep. (laughs) The sorcerer greets his new comrades from behind the bar, prompting Thor to ask for a beer. Of course he did. (laughs) He is a real man-child. Oh, yeah. Strange magics up a beverage for the thirsty-ass Gordon. He really gave him one, too. (laughs) Yeah. This is a clear nod for Thor Ragnarok, where Benedict Cumberbatch would whisk up an unlimited ale refills in Thor in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Jeffrey Wright's Watcher explains that he initially sought one great hero to save the multiverse from Ultron before realizing he needed a team instead. This speech riffs on Nick Fury's famous There Was an Idea monologue from 2012's The Avengers, particularly the bit about becoming something more. The Watcher officially dubbed his what-if superhero team the Guardians of the Multiverse, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good, actually. Yep. 
which is plainly a play on the Guardians of the Galaxy. It just expanded a little, that's all. Oh, there's no Guardians of the Multiverse team in a Marvel comic, but there should be. Yeah, There is a much less catchy Council of the Guardians of all galaxies. Nope, I, I think they just started a whole new movie franchise. <laughs> Functioning precisely as the name implies, this group was essentially a multiverse squad made up the various Guardians of the Galaxy members, making them the closest counterparts for what is Guardians of the Multiverse. After Thor tries and fails to escape, watch the door, it's like Doctor Who, the team yes. agrees to help and begin to debate how they should go about it. Naturally, Strange Supreme is left to explain the Ultron situation and fill the heroes in on the Infinity Stone's limitless power when brought together. The explanation he gives is very close to Wong's demonstration in Avengers Infinity War, including the Mystic PowerPoint presentation and the lines each control an essential aspect of existence. There's always someone around to explain it for you. Yes. <laughs> That's helpful. Yes. It takes some deliberation, but eventually Gamora convinces everyone they can destroy Ultron Stone using the Infinity Crusher, a device of her creation. I bet she kept that in the closet. Strange Supreme takes the group to an uninhabited reality to prepare for the battle, but Thor quickly alerts Ultron to their presence by conjuring lightning. <laughs> now, childish. did that look like the um, Soul Stone planet? It did to me. That I was did, the yeah, first kinda, thing I saw, yeah, you know, because they landed on that little outcrop there, and I, that was the first thing I thought of. I said, oh, that's Voromir or whatever it is. Planet yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you said there's not much life on it, so that leave there was one person on it, like the... <laughs> Red Skull. Red Skull. Yeah, that does make sense. Should have had what Red Skull walk in. Yep. Yeah, like Red Skull. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Thought my job was done. However, while Ultron believes he can make quick work of the Watchers recruit Strange, Supreme places a protection spell on everyone, granting them immunity to his attacks. While finding Thanos in Avengers Infinity Wars, Doctor Strange channeled Narato Uzumaki as a duplication spell to generate dozens of clones, all capable of attacking individually. Strange Supreme employs, a, employs the same technique during the opening phase of What If's climatic Ultron party with with Party Thor tossing his hammer towards the android and Strange multiplying and creating hundreds of Mjolnirs and they clang into uh, Ultron's metallic frame. <laughs> Excellent detail. Captain Carter hitches a ride on T'Challa's back to launch an aerial attack against Ultron. Her positioning and the framing of this shot closely mirror when Carter rode Steve Rogers' Hydra Stomper all the way back in What If opening episode. The robot was a little more roomy. <laughs> <laughs> gliding back down to the planet's surface, gliding back. Oof. Captain Carter briefly seizes the handle of Molnir as it flies through the air. These guys coordinate everything. They should take up a ballet. Maybe they should be come up with a what-if ballet episode. <laughs> Since both are in motion, it is possible to say whether Captain Carter is worthy enough to momentarily lift Mjolnir or whether she grabs the hammer as it crashes to the ground. Hmm, that, 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 I didn't even think of that just then. Yeah, absolutely. So, no. When she grabbed it, I went, wow, hold on a hey. minute. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was just holding the, the handle to like get the ride that she wasn't controlling it. Yeah. Well, Captain America was worthy anyway. Yep. As it turns out. Either way, this scene is almost certainly a nod to the iconic Avengers Endgame moment where Captain America took up Mjolnir against Thanos. Worthy people everywhere. Yep. And having his soul stolen right out of Ultron's chest, the child remembers one of Yondu's wisest teachings. Never doubt sticky fingers. <laughs> <laughs> the duo used their sticky fingers technique back in What If? Episode 2 to seize the controller for the collector's cages. When Strange Supreme opens a portal and dumps a dimension full of zombies directly on Ultron's head, Hawkeye viewers were able to spot the Episode 5 zombie version of Captain America, Falcon, and the Hawkeye in front of the deluge. Yep. <laughs> I didn't catch that, but I just oh. say when he's like, oh no, it's not that, because Thor's like, oh cool, zombies. Like, what? 
no, first of all, not cool. But anyway, when he's like, no, it's what comes with. And I'm like looking yeah. at Jason going, what comes with? I don't understand. <laughs> it's always a pile of zombies. <laughs> it's like the Walking Dead because there's always a pile of them, too. They just like surge all together. Right. And they're kind of yes. gooey all together, too. It would have yes, been they... nice to have seen Zombie Hulk and... <laughs> Zombie. Uh, I still think Hulk is fighting wasp. his way off. That he's he's fine. Although wasp, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Oh. But we do get something better. <laughs> yep. We get we get the zombie Wanda Maximoff. But even she, when she used her powers, which was was awesome, she's like, huh? <laughs> but yeah. it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. She makes a face. I'm not sure a zombie would make a face, but it's still funny. <laughs> oh, you know, Wanda still has some emotion in there. Mostly <laughs> hunger, but you know, <laughs> apparently confusion is one of them. But. Let's go back away from the zombies because, of course, Ultron takes her out pretty easy, which I was surprised. But he travels back to his original reality where the Guardians of the Multiverse are trying to destroy the Soul Stone. However, their plan is thrown for a loop when Natasha arrives and steals the gem. How many other people yelled when this happened? I'm like, no! Yes! (laughs) Because she doesn't understand how they got there and she's supposed to be the only person left on Earth, which I was like, you know what? It just makes me more mad at Clint. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Exactly. To prove her friendship with Natasha, alternate self, Captain Carter, name drops Ivan and Alexei, Natasha's biological father, was first mentioned when Red Skull referred to her as daughter of Ivan in Avengers Endgame, while Alexei is a nod to the Red Guardian who debuted in Black Widow. To prove her friendship with Natasha's alternate self, Captain Carter... I said that. <laughs> there twice. Hold on. Peggy also claims that in her universe, Black Widow trusts only three people, and she counts herself lucky being one of them. Hawkeye is obviously another, so who might the third character be? It's a matter of debate, but it had me wondering, yeah. who did she actually trust? Steve? Yeah. No, Steve. Thinking, Rogers. Well, no, she would have known Steve in that reality. No. no, because Steve was gone, and it was just Captain Carter, remember? So I'm thinking the third person is just herself. Well, she knew Steve when he was not. No, she wouldn't have known Steve. She looked at his picture, didn't she, in this? Looked at him longingly. Nick Fury makes a strong case that she might trust him, but the line might also reference Yelena Belova, Natasha's sister introduced in Black Widow. Kind of forgot about her, so yeah, maybe. Though they share an incredibly close bond, Natasha never mentioned Yelena during the 10 years plus in the MCU, but this what-if line might go some way towards rectifying that. The fight between Ultron and the Guardians of the Multiverse break down into this crappy case for the removed soul stone. Yeah, it was very kind of like goofy case, the way it was happening. <laughs> Keystone cops. Yeah. Because <laughs> the heroes kept working together to keep the orange gem from Ultron's cold, cold clutches. But the sequence is essentially a rewrite of the Avengers Endgame battle where the Avengers play keep away with the Infinity Gauntlet. The Guardians of the Multiverse surround Ultron, each taking a turn to beat their metallic opponent. Peggy with her shield, Gamora with Thanos' sword, and Strange with Mystic Blast, etc., etc. The way the camera pans around while each hero delivers their signature attack feels remarkably like the Battle of Sokovia in Age of Ultron, where the Avengers faced off against a tsunami of Ultron bots inside the collapsed church. Continuing to draw from the MCU Avengers Battle of the Past, What If Season 1 finale sees the heroes hold down Ultron using Doctor Strange's mystic chains while Gamora's (laughs) Infinity Crusher, I'm having a hard time, 
attempts to remove the stones from Vision's body. This is something of a sibling scene to Infinity War, where Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis hold down Thanos while Iron Man ripped the gauntlet from his hand. Completing the full set of Avengers movie tributes, the camera pans around each guardian in the multiverse in a circular formation, just as it did in 2012 when the original... Always, 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 always. Yeah, you always get that. And that when they were in New York, and I still don't understand why they did that, but I guess it's good camera work. Oh, it's totally this, BA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this scene was glimpsed in What If trailer, but packed way more punch with the proper context. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> in a neat example of What If's attention to detail, Red Guardian's shield shatters under the pressure from Ultron's Infinity Stone power, while Captain Carter's remains resolute. This yeah. is a subtle indication of how Cap's shield, both Carter and Rogers, was made from vibranium while the Russians built Red Guardians from regular metal. Oops. <laughs> the AI then realizes all he has to do is kill Strange Supreme to remove the protection spell and launches a full frontal assault, which tosses Captain Carter and Natasha away to locations of the arrow holding Zola. Now, when he stopped and he's like, you, it's you. I just have to kill you. They panned to like three different heroes. Right. So I wasn't 100% who he was talking about. Yeah, I, I felt it's the like, same way. I knew he. I think I, I think yeah. I knew who he meant, but uh, still, what are you showing them for? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was wasn't sure though because who's the linchpin in this particular one? It could have been anybody, right? With the help of Captain Carter, Natasha hits Ultron in the eye, <laughs> which I cringed by the way, with the arrow, allowing Zola's algorithm to enter his body. I was worried too. Yeah, this Internally, was an awesome scene. The way they. <laughs> Yes, it was that around. (laughs) But I was really scared because he introduces himself to Ultron internally. (laughs) Arnim Zola recalls how he sought Hydra's domination once upon a time, which that's a callback line to First Avenger, where Zola worked as a subordinate of Red Skull, but also to Captain America's Winter Soldier, which he revealed Zola had nurtured Hydra's presence within S.H.I.E.L.D. since the end of World War II. Well, that whole thing back and forth kind of shut Ultron down for a minute, at least. And that gave Killmonger time to betray his fellow Guardians of the Multiverse and seize the Infinity Stones for himself, because of course he does. Yeah. (laughs) But he had to do it using, he was holding on to one of the Ultron bot heads. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what is that? What do you do? Keep it in his back pocket? <laughs> I was, was it always at the bar? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what that meant, why he had to use that to hold on to it. I mean, to pull everything out, but well, whatever. When yeah. the villain turns around and reveals his new Ultron-inspired form, there's a brief pipe-based musical cue, very similar to Ludwig Goranson. Goranson's Killmonger theme from Black Panther. Thank you. When What If reintroduced Arnim Zola inside of Ultron drone last week, many interpreted the hybrid as a tribute to Zola's comic book presence, where he exists inside an artificial body. But season one finale dives even deeper down that rabbit hole with Zola inside Vision's physical form, but appearing through a screen on the android's stomach. <laughs> it was awesome. It, it, yes. Again, very much reminding me of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is the closest Toby Jones MCU character has come to his most famous comic book appearance. Realizing the Watcher didn't actually want the gems destroyed, Strange Supreme trapped Killmonger and Zola in a pocket dimension, ending the threat. Because they were fighting over the, the gems, and they were kind of hovering out in front of them. I thought that was interesting. It's like, oh, that's why Killmonger is there. Yep, that absolutely. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. But Strange Supreme agrees to watch over the pocket dimension as the rest of the Guardians of the Multiverse head back to their realities. According to the Watcher, Peggy's future timeline needs Captain Carter. And if her narrative continues progressing down the same MCU road as Captain America Winter Soldier event, the big man in the sky isn't wrong. Peggy, the big man in the sky? Hold on. Like, I said it, and then I realized, like, okay, big head in the sky. But anyway, Peggy is still to face Thanos, redeeming someone she loves, and fight for liberty against the Sokovian Accord. Yeah, that's all well and good, but still rough. Yeah, she she wanted her happy ending, and he's basically told her, no, you can't have it. (laughs) Oh, baby head, thanks a lot. Just like, "Hmm, yeah, no, okay, that sucks. Anyway, sorry. I'm just thinking about how bad it was because I'm like her face. It was sad. Yes. <laughs> since Ultron's original world is lost cause, does the Watcher exactly agree to leave Black Widow in the universe? Uh, yeah. Because she's like, I'm not going. I'm not going right. out those doors. <laughs> and I kind of felt like, well, time to close. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh-huh. But it turns out that he takes her work to the universe where an angry Hank Pym killed off Nick Fury's potential Avenger recruits and Loki decided to invade after helping uncover the culprit. What if season one finale continues that storyline with Loki fighting who he calls replacement Avengers? <laughs> These apparently include Captain America, who Pym couldn't kill under Severalton's vice, Captain Marvel, who Fury still had the painter for, and that's about it. Returning was, to the moment... I was going to say, that's a really good rendition of uh, Captain Marvel flying through space. Her oh, yeah. a, I have to give a nod to the animation. Pretty amazing. I thought it was great. I just loved how they did a lot of the animation in this anyway. But anyway, returning to the moment he was dropped off, T'Challa resumes defending the Missouri branch of Dairy Queen from Ego. But you know what? Dairy Queen's important. I'm just saying. In a cute moment, he gives Peter Quill one of Star-Lord's trademark pistols, temporarily allowing him to become the proper guardian of the galaxy. <laughs> what if episode 9 post credit scene sees Peggy Carter confronted with the Hydra Stomper again, which is what Batrock mercenaries were trying to get their hands on in the universe. But Black Widow confirms that something else there. There's a person inside, giving Peggy hope of reuniting with Steve. Although I'm still worried because has he been turned into the Winter Soldier, so to speak. Right. <laughs> this feels eerily like what happened to Bucky Barnes in the MCU. And Steve did get captured by Hydro during What If Episode 1. So... The post credit scene hints that when Peggy Carter took Steve Rogers' place, Steve Rogers took Bucky Barnes' place, and the universe is telling of Captain America Winter Soldier will pit lover against lover rather than friend against friend. And that, that would be more heartbreaking for Peggy. I was just going to say that. <laughs> like, oh, he'll come around because uh, he'll have a broke back moment where she says, I can't quit you. Right. <laughs> just like bringing the. Uh, Bucky back. Yeah. You can continue to punch me in the head, but I'll take it. I will riot if they do that, Peggy. <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> Uh-oh. 
That would just be horrible. Yes. I to deal with. I mean, come on. She's been yeah. dealing with so much. Don't do that, too. Yep. Absolutely. I agree with that. So that's going to register on the Richter scale, and I'm going to feel it over yep. here in the East Coast. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to Hulk smash. <laughs> All right. We won't know until next year. Yeah, we got a ways to go before we find out. If we find out at all, maybe season two will be void of any Peggy Carter episodes. So we won't ever know. (laughs) That'd be worse. That'd be worse. Well, we do have some feedback for the What If season finale. Our friend Jazz has provided her thoughts on it. So let's hear what she thought of the episode. Hello, this is Jazz, and this is my review of What If season finale. I saw that Doctor Strange was more in control of his powers and his body in general, so there's no way to determine how long it was when he blew up his dimension and when the Watcher asked him for help. But he seemed more in control of everything, which was good for everybody in general. I love the Our Black Panthers quote that said, Never doubt Sticky Finger. So I will miss him and his voice acting as well as his portrayal of other characters in movies and TV. I love that Peggy sensed that not to trust Killmonger, who actually was not helping them at all fight Ultron and only showed up at the very end to do what the Watcher probably expected him to do. And he was a very worthy distraction as needed. Doctor Strange used the various three dragons to fight them and it had a very D&D type feel, so I appreciated that homage. And also that the Cthulhu type character that he had absorbed kicked Ultron's butt for a while. So I liked that a lot. And I thought that the Hydra Stomper, which might have shown up at the end, I thought was eaten by Cthulhu, so I'm not sure exactly how he popped up again. I don't know if it's our Steve or a different Steve, but we'll see. I thought it was a annoying plot point that he can use the stones on multiple worlds and got the stones on various places and Gamora and had a crusher that should have worked. My thought was if it actually worked on one area, that it should have worked on other areas or dimensions and that the rules for the stones were a little wonky. So I thought that Gamora's machine should have worked. And I love the fact that they hit the arrow that was the trick arrow that Black Widow actually used was very good and that Peggy and her had a good rapport. I thought that was a great way to knock him off as a computer virus. And then Killmonger decided that he wanted to take over the world, big surprise, and was used as a very good distraction for Zoloft and then put in a time bubble. So all in all, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. It had some twists and turns, had some parts that I didn't really appreciate in terms of storytelling. But aside from that, it was all good. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jazz, for that feedback for the season finale of What If. Thanks for all of your insight and feedback, Jazz. We appreciate it. Yeah, they uh, call all that Jazz. Yeah, I thought this version of Strange Supreme had changed quite a bit from the one that we last saw, that's for sure. And I kind of thought that maybe it was because the Watcher had been paying him visits and kind of getting him out of that mindset that he was in when he destroyed his universe, so... Oh, it took him out of the crazy and then brought him. (laughs) Something had to make him be a lot more calmer and less destructive than he was when he (laughs) so much for not so much for not interfering. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and I thought the arrow filled with uh, Zoloff was 
an excellent play. And I love the scene that the way they handled it is Natasha driving the motorcycle way up in the mountain and <laughs> going for it. There's no way that motorcycle's flying that far in the air. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder if the More movie magic. Yep. Yeah. Well, as always, Jazz, it's great to hear from you. And we're looking forward to hearing from you again. Thanks, Jazz. Can I send us an arrow? <laughs> well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast. With good readings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us as there is plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends that I hope you're enjoying our podcast and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Okay, you can find all of our podcasts at www.fangirlzone.com. You can also find our contact page if there's other ways you want to reach out. And I still want to hear all about ways to dump these guys regarding the Marvel Universe. So do it, do it. But for this episode of the Marvelous Post-Bit Flip Podcast. This is Steve. Well, the door was more of a metaphor anyway. I'm Sean Pangrelas. I thought you fell out the door. She went out the door. Where'd you go? I was looking for something to drink behind the bar. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) This is Mischievous Dave. And there's nothing like keeping uh, your arrow handy during an apocalypse. There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat. There's nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the fangirl zone.